You are now listening to the Doula Road Trip Podcast. My name is Jariel and I am a certified doula. After a quick and unsuccessful start in the birth industry over six years ago, I am returning in order to turn my passion into my career. In this show, I am going to share with you my journey and my hope is that we together can start up and stay up doing the work that we absolutely love. This podcast will be a resource it will be a tool and it will also be a point of reference for you as you start your journey into birth work. I want to share everything that I wish I knew before I started and answer some frequently asked questions that constantly pop up in birth work even now six years later. I would love for you to be able to find inspiration, to find community, and to also be encouraged that the work that you love can absolutely be the work that you do for the rest of your life if you want. So let's go ahead and get into the show. Doulas, welcome back to another episode of the Doula Road Trip Podcast. I am excited today because we have another incredible special guest, and I am going to introduce you to our special guest in just a moment. I just wanted to let you guys know that in this episode, we are going to be talking about how to get booked and busy as a doula, what it really takes behind the scenes to build up your practice to a point where you are getting called a lot, right? And it could take months and it could take a lot of work. And so we definitely want to be honest and transparent about that. You don't just put up your website and put up your social media and then you're being called immediately. That may happen in a very, very small percentage of cases, but in most times it does take a lot in order to get to that point and it can take months to get to that point. So let's really get into what it takes to be booked and busy as a doula. So today our guest is going to be Anne. She has a amazing, amazing, amazing parenting coaching practice, but before before she started out as a doula. And so we're going to talk to her about how she started, how she got busy and the things that she did in order to build up her practice and where she is now. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for making time. I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks. Of course. So tell everybody a little bit about you, um, what you want them to know about you, your background, who you are and what you do. Right. So just like you said, my name's Anne <laughs> and I am a doula and a childbirth educator and a parent coach. And when I first started my practice many moons ago, when my now 12 year old was in the womb, wow. <laughs> um, I only was doing birth work. I only did um, doula work. I didn't have my childbirth education degree. I wasn't doing parent coaching and my practice kind of organically grew over time. Um, as my own children grew, as my clients' children grew, as my interests grew, all of that stuff. But when I first started out, I got my um, birth doula certification from Dona and I was a one trick pony. That's all I did. But you know what? I want to talk about that because there's so much value in starting with one thing and getting very, very good at it. So Mm -hmm. many people feel like in order to uh, be seen as an expert or in order to validate their expertise, they have to train as a labor doula, train as a postpartum doula, train as a fertility doula, train as a full spectrum doula, get a placenta encapsulation, like childbirth education, like people just train, 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 train. And they really don't have a plan for how they're going to use that expertise to support people and 
it's debatable whether or not you're really absorbing all of the information that you really could to stand in an expert seat when you have trained that many things in such a short amount of time. What's your opinion about that? I totally agree. And I think um, you made a really good point when we were just chatting before we started recording, which was, you know, you don't realize when you're getting into these um, businesses that you're becoming an entrepreneur. And the thing that's missing in all of these trainings is how to actually successfully run and market a business. And that is the biggest learning curve of all when for me personally, and for everybody else I know who's in the birth world, that is the hardest part. And it takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of trial and error. I almost think you'd be better off if you want to invest in two things at once, invest in one certification and one business coach and leave it at that. And as you learn how to build your practice and get referrals and get fully booked and manage being fully booked, which is also a challenge, like once you have that figured out, then it makes perfect sense to start expanding your offerings and creating a customized packages and, and premium level offerings and things like that. And you can really start to scale your business, but you can't scale a business that doesn't exist. You have to first create a successful, viable business and then scale it. And um, I think when you have multiple offerings, and this is just me kind of from all of the business training I've invested in over the years, I can tell you something I wish someone would have told me in the very beginning, which is the most important thing you can do to make your business very successful is to have a one very clear call to action in all of your marketing. And in the beginning, when you have this like kind of boutique set of offerings, if you choose to do that whole like placenta encapsulation, all those different things, now it's very hard to have extremely clear marketing message. And unless you have the bandwidth and the financial means to have a very comprehensive and sophisticated marketing approach, you are going to be giving confusing messages to your audience all the time. And they're not really going to know who are you, what do you do? And what you really want is to be the first person that someone thinks about when they think of X, one specific thing. So there's a, there's a placenta encapsulation expert in Denver where I live and she literally her website, what it says on her business cards, everything is the placenta lady. And then anytime that I have a client who wants placenta encapsulation, I don't think twice about it. Um, I know exactly who to call and it's very, very clear. Now, if this person was also offering postpartum services and this and this, and she had some sort of nebulous like bosom blossoming baby bundle or whatever, like we all try to come up with the cutesy business name. How do I know what to hire her for? And also I'm a doula. I see her as my competition, not someone who can be a, a referral source now and all of these things. So all of this stuff is possible. And like in the future, the world is our oyster in terms of business, but it, you have to first start with that tiny little grain of sand that turns into the pearl. You dropped so many gems. I don't even think people know in order to even start <laughs> to appreciate it. <laughs> One is that you definitely need to hire a coach. Like I have coaches on this podcast. You guys know how much I advocate for having a coach. The greatest athletes who are performing at their highest potential have coaches. Oprah has a coach. You know, um, LeBron James has a coach. It's like clear that coaches do take you to the next level and help you shortcut success. The next thing too is a call to action. So for those who don't know, a call to action would be, 
click the link in the bio, schedule a consultation, call me today for your free labor support session, right? Planning session or birth visioning session, right? So a call to action is when you actually call an audience out to take an action, right? So you want them to know one thing to do, right? Follow me on Instagram. That's a call to action, right? So just being clear about what you want the audience to do and what next step you want them to take is what a call to action will do. Um, marketing message, it's a little bit deeper. I'm still learning about marketing messages myself, if I'm being completely honest. Um, the best advice that I've gotten so far about creating a clear marketing message is to think about the things that are commonly said in your industry and what your opinion is about those things. And whatever your opinion is about those things and how it differs from what everyone else is saying, that's the way that you can begin to message what you do and how you support people. For instance, um, there's a message in the universe that says breast is best, right? And if you struggle with breastfeeding and you don't think breast is best, then you could go the opposite of that, right? And give your expecting clients permission to explore what they want to do outside of breastfeeding and give them permission to, you know, say, I don't want to do that, right? And create the space to do that. Because it's a lot of people that don't want to breastfeed, but they're afraid to say it because they feel like they may be a bad parent or a bad mom or whatever the case may be. So you may be the safe space for them to be able to say that and give them resources and options for formula or whatever it may look like to feed their family without guilt. So mm -hmm. that's just one example of like marketing message. It's of course a million other examples and we can dive down that rabbit hole at another time. Um, <laughs> I want to get to you and, and ask you like when you first left your doula training, like what were some of the things that you were thinking and feeling? Because sometimes um, when people leave doula trainings, they're really, really excited. And then once you get home, you really don't know what to do next. And so what was that feeling like for you? And what were some of the things that you did in order to move past that? I, I definitely felt like that. I felt really excited. Like I was ready to start attending burrs and really get into it. But I also felt like, okay, well now what, how do I find someone? <laughs> Would I just like jump a pregnant lady at the park or something? <laughs> and so I felt really like, oh my gosh, well, this really, I thought, oh, once I get my certification, then that's it. I'll have my practice. And really I, it was a very, um, sort of rude awakening of like, oh no, that was just the beginning. I haven't really even started yet, actually. So, um, and then I also was a little bit scared because I felt I was really unsure about how I was going to manage my family. What was it going to be like if someone just called me in the middle of the night? Like, what if I couldn't wake up? What if I fell asleep driving? Like all the little like logistical things, I think it's really easy not to think about when you're just focused on like going through the training and like, I have this like kind of more like general vision of being a doula and being a part of, of someone's birth experience and being in the birth world, you know, that can feel like super aligned and, and exhilarating. And then when you actually are like, okay, boots on the ground, how's this actually going to work? It's like, oh my gosh, I, this is a big mess. So I, but then also the other thing that's just unique to my personality, I suppose, but I'm kind of, um, goal oriented to a fault. So when I finished my training, I was like, well, there, there was no part of me that was going to be like, well, I guess I, I don't know how to do this. So never mind. You know, it was like, all right, well, I need to make this worth my money. I invested money in this thing. I don't want to have wasted my family's money. I at least need to make my money back. Like, and I just really kind of became almost like obsessed with, with marketing myself and trying to figure this out. 
So let's talk about that. What are some of the things that you began to do in order to get yourself out there and get hired and in front of pregnant people other than jumping them at the park? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I put it out there. Like I just put it out there to all of my friends and everything that I was a doula. And that's actually how I got my very first client as a friend of a friend was pregnant and wanted to hire me. I was very cheap. I wasn't free. Once I got my certification, I wasn't free, but I was woefully underpriced, but it was okay. I kind of had a rule with myself. Like I'm going to have this, I knew it was a low price and I just was going to be super cheap for like my first five births. And then once I had five paid births under my belt, then I was going to raise my rates again at 10 and then at 20 and blah, blah, blah. So I, you know, kept increasing Um, so I was really cheap. Um, and then I also, I found like all like the doula local doula, like organizations and birth midwifery things and birth things, anything I could to, um, meet other doulas. Um, I would take other doulas like out to lunch and like coffee and stuff like that. And just like pick their brains and totally grill them with questions about how they manage this, how I do that. I, I basically kind of was willing to do anything to get birth. So I was really cheap. Like I said, I offered myself as a backup to any doulas who wanted backup. And it's, you know, as we all know, it's challenging to find good, reliable backup and no one wants to do it. Like it stinks to be a backup. So that was really easy. And that was my second birth was I was called in, um, uh, actually, no, that wasn't a backup situation. It was kind of a backup situation. It was someone I had met through my do one of the doula organizations that I had joined who had gotten a call because she was the administrator for this organization. She had gotten a call from a nurse at the hospital who a mother had come in from Ghana, who was all alone and really freaking out. And, uh, and so this, this administrator called me and she's like, Hey, do you want the birth? And I was like, yes. And no, most people would have said no, right? It was like 10 p.m. This person I'd never met before. She could speak English very well and all of that stuff. But I, um, you know, I was just, I just said yes. I said yes to everything, basically. Um, and so, and then, then, then my third birth was a backup where a, um, a doula just had two moms in labor at once. And I went with her. And the other thing I did that I didn't do intending to make it get me business, but it did was I created a babysitting network with a bunch of other doulas because I was very anxious about what was I going to do with my kids. I had three children at the time. My oldest was four and my youngest was an infant, a newborn. I mean, she wasn't a newborn. She was probably like four months old by the time I started attending births. But um, so I had three children and none of whom were in school. And so I needed, I needed to have a plan or I was just going to be way too anxious. Um, so I, I created a network of um, doulas that we kind of backed each other up for childcare. And that wound up becoming almost like a network of referrals and, and things like that. Um, yeah. So let's talk about being a backup doula because um, being a backup doula can be like super anxious, right? And uncomfortable (laughs) because you're right. Like you do have to develop a relationship with the doula and then you also have to develop a relationship with their client. And in some cases you don't get the opportunity to do that. And then you just have to go in and support that person. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about like 
what was the structure like between you and other doulas for you as a backup? Did you go in like having being paid for on call time or was there like a fee for you to go in and support their clients for a certain amount of hours? Like, how did you structure that? And then how did you structure your actual relationship with someone who you may be supporting your labor, who you literally don't know or have only gotten to know for a very mm-hmm. short amount of time? Well, the, the thing about supporting someone I don't know is, was never a problem for me, except for maybe in the very beginning, it was a mindset problem for me, but I think I was lucky that I had that very early on experience supporting that Ghanaian mom because, uh, I didn't know her and I almost couldn't even speak with her, but she, I don't know. We just, she had energy. I have energy. Um, I could see that when she was in discomfort and when she was relieved, I could sort of sense what she wanted. And it it really just kind of proved to me, like, uh, this is maybe my own, whatever soapbox, but a lot of the prenatal work that we do as doulas is about building up our clients comfort level. It's really not for us at all because any buddy with a heart and some training can be a supportive and compassionate presence for a woman in labor. And, and so it didn't feel necessary for me to meet anybody's clients in advance, unless if they wanted to meet me, if they, um, if there was like a higher probability that I was actually going to get called in, like, for example, if her doula had booked, you know, five births that month, or had a trip planned in the middle of the month or something like that, you know, then maybe it made more sense. But it was really just about their own comfort level. My job as a doula is to just be of service and and in my servant heart space. And I don't need anything to make that possible for me. Um, So that that wasn't a problem. Um, In the beginning, when I did backup work, I didn't charge, I wasn't expecting payment for it at all. I just wanted experience and I wanted to get my name out there. And so that felt like a really good compensation for me. It didn't feel like I, I didn't have any like sort of resentment or bitterness about the energy or time I was investing in being a backup because I felt like I was gaining from it a lot. And even when I didn't get called into the birth, it was beneficial to me because it helped me go through the experience of being on call and not knowing when I was, you know, the, the psychological experience of being on call is very um, taxing. And it's something that you have to grow into and get used to kind of like building a muscle. So I felt grateful when I got called and when I didn't get called and I just really felt grateful. Um, Once I got more busy, you know, like after I've been a doula for a few years and I had a busy practice and a partner and I was charging more money and things like that, being a backup for someone, I still didn't charge for it, but I was very picky about who I would back. So then let's talk a little bit about your babysitter network. Can you talk a little (laughs) bit about um, how you structured it and how you got to know like the doulas and the doulas children and kind of like how you were able to create that space in your home to be able to babysit so on and so forth. What were some of the Mm -hmm. challenges that came with that? Yeah. So, I mean, in the beginning, I just wanted to meet people and I would figure out if I wanted them to babysit or not or whatever later. So there's a couple of, there were a couple of Facebook groups that were for, you know, local birth workers and stuff like that. And I just posted like, does anyone else have kids? I'd really love to get together and create like a babysitting network. Is anyone else interested in kind of 
this collaboration or whatever. And so many moms said yes, because I mean, we're all in the same boat, right? And um, so that was one way. I also, because I was so, it was kind of like this synergistic or simultaneous thing because I was simultaneously trying to create childcare resources for myself and just networking with other doulas. So I would like Google doulas and then like send them messages on their contact form, not necessarily just about babysitting, but like, I'm a new doula. I would love to meet you. And if you'll be open for me taking out for coffee, you know, that kind of thing. And so, um, over time I maybe like had, I met, I met lots of people, but probably maybe like a dozen people that I felt like we actually had a rapport and things like that. And then we started talking about babysitting kind of, I guess you could call it a co-op. Um, there was no payment or money exchanged at all. It was just that we all agreed to be resources for each other. So like at night, if I got called into a birth, I had a dozen phone numbers that I could call and I wound up having like a group text that was like everybody on my list. And I would say, I've got a mama going into labor. Can someone take care of my kids from like eight to three tomorrow? Cause my husband can drop them off and pick them up, you know, whatever. And someone would say I'm free or whatever. And, and that would be it. And the great thing about doing it with doulas is I could actually get a response at two in the morning. I didn't have to wait until like 8am when, you know, quote unquote normies wake up and then look at their phone, you know? So, um, so that was really good. And, you know, and I had a lot of people, I am lucky or I was lucky in the time that I had a partner and I have a partner. So he, you know, I didn't need childcare in the middle of the night, but I had plenty of people on that list who did, and they would bring their, you know, if it's a single parent or their partner worked nights or whatever. And so it would happen all the time that someone would bring their kids by and, you know, at two in the morning or whatever, and, you know, all that stuff. And I think the other thing that worked out for me, that was actually just a real blessing in disguise for me personally, with my personality was, being a doula, you just have to kind of trust that stuff's going to work out. And that is really hard for me. I'm a, I much prefer to like be on top of it and have a plan and know exactly how it's going to go down and be in control. And, um, and it, you just can't be. And so in the beginning, I really tried to be in control. Like I literally would look at the, the whole four weeks around my client's due date. And I would make sure I would look at all the days that I didn't have childcare and I would line somebody up for each of those days, like a crazy person, you know, just in case if my client went into labor, I wouldn't have even one second of questioning. I would know exactly I'm going to call so-and-so because she's the person who agreed to, well, but that doesn't work because what if she has a client who goes into labor or what if she decided to go to the zoo? Cause she's living her life, <laughs> you know, all those things. And so but enough times it happened where it was like, you know, you, you, you kind of scramble around for 15, 20 minutes or maybe even an hour, but it all works out in the end. And it, and it always did. It never once happened that it, something didn't work out. And I just kind of had to get over myself, basically, that like you, you don't have to be in control of everything to know that you're on the right path or that it's all going to be OK in the end or that you're doing the right thing. You know, all of those things that. Um, honestly, I'm being on call and having small children broke me of this like need for kind of the stranglehold of control that I wanted to have on my life. 
Yeah, I love that because you're right. Like uh, being on call will definitely teach you like to let let life live and let it be. (laughs) Being plucked from your life at any time, at any moment for any amount of time. And so you come back will definitely relax you a lot. And so will having children for sure, for sure. Um, Okay, I love that you talked about being a backup doula and also like having a babysitting like co-op. That's Mm -hmm. both like fantastic things that I feel like people can definitely learn from and grow from sometimes you do have to start in places where like people don't want to do stuff or where there is no structure right a lot mm-hmm. of times it's tough being a backup doula and backing people up at any time of day and any time of night and people who you're building a rapport with and also look around to see if there is drop-in daycare or if there are people who understand right the on-call life where babysitting and if not maybe that's a hole that you can feel and start to build there as well so that's fantastic um so talk a little bit about what happened once your practice grew so after all of this, you're booked and busy and you're a solo doula, right? Which is really mm-hmm. tough. So talk a little bit about how you began to put more things into place to support you and your life and your family while also doing doula work. Yeah. So actually, as you were talking, it really um, brought something to my mind that I thought would be good is, um, you know, I think overall, like if I look back at all of the things I did to grow my practice in general, what I did most in all of those areas that we talked about was I just chose who I wanted to be in this professional community. And so over time, I established myself with people who are more established than I was as somebody who was dependable, humble, and I was asking questions, I was asking for advice all the time, and I would do the advice that I was given. I wasn't just complaining, you know, there's a lot of times where you'd be like, not you specifically, but we all, you know, can be stuck in this. Well, what am I supposed to do about childcare? This is a nightmare. It's impossible. And maybe someone will give you some advice and be like, well, that's never going to work. Or, you know, I, then maybe that works for you, but you know, but I just, I trusted, like, I basically trusted, like, I don't know what I'm doing. And all these people are obviously good at it. So I'm just going to do what they say. And later on, I can tweak it to work for me. So, and then the the last thing that I did, and I didn't even mean to do this, but I started to establish myself as a leader because I came into this community and immediately was like, well, come on, let's make a babysitting co-op. I can't believe this doesn't already exist. Don't we all have children? What are you guys doing? Like, how do you go to births and things like that? And so over time, like I started to really stand out as someone who in an industry where there are a lot of, there's a lot of turnover, there's a lot of burnout, there's a lot of flaky people. And I wasn't, I was um, dependable and um, stalwart and, and professional. And, um, and I stayed in my lane. I didn't try to tell people what to do or, um, or judge, you know, if someone was going to have an epidural or wanted a C-section or, or if other doulas were running their businesses different than me or whatever. So I think in general, what really made my business explode was the fact that I was top of mind for people as someone they could count on and, and someone they could, you know, as a referral source, for example, like I don't want to refer. And there were plenty of doulas that I had gotten burned by in the past. And I just stopped referring to them because it makes me look bad, you know? So you, you got to think about, you know, who do I want to be? What is my professional um, persona in this community that I'm in? And especially 
I mean, the birth world is small and very incestuous. And so if you start behaving in a contentious way or in a way that cuts other people down or is unprofessional or irresponsible, you're done, you know, because everyone will know about it right away because we're also all women and we like to talk about each other. One thousand percent. It's not fun. It's not nice to say that, but it's true. So. It's true. Yeah. But how I grew once I got to like being fully booked and things. Yeah. I, t- I took on a partner. Right. Was it a doula I, partner or was it a business partner? It was a doula partner. Another doula. Okay. Okay. And she and I had known each other for a very long time. I was very um, cautious about who I wanted to work with. And, um, and she and I, we, we came up with an on-call schedule. We made sure that we were, you know, we had time off call and we obviously were each other's backup. So if we, we had an agreement between us that if you're off call, you're off call, you can drink. If I call you and you're drunk and you can't come to the birth, I'm not going to be mad at you because it was your day off. That's fine. But we are each other's first backup. So the only time we would work with someone outside of our partnership was if the, if the other person truly couldn't be the backup or like if the other person were out of town, obviously, <laughs> I don't want to give the impression I was just like drinking constantly, but like, you know, I went on a long weekend or I was out of cell phone range. So I was hiking in the mountains and things like that. And that case, my partner, Kathy would have um, used a different backup. And I actually got pregnant with my fourth child while I was in that partnership with Kathy. And she wound up backing me up a couple of times at long births because I just, I was too pregnant. Like I just couldn't stay awake any longer. And my back was killing me and, you know, things like that. So um, that made it possible for me to really um, keep my practice going and have a little bit more balance in my life. And, uh, and also it's just nice to be in a partnership, being an entrepreneur is lonely. And, um, it was nice to have someone else that I could use as a sounding board. You know, did she seem off in that prenatal or do you think she's, you know, we need to keep an eye on this or that at the birth. And, um, and then also like at the birth, I could call Kathy and say, I don't know, I've tried this, this, and this, but it's not working do you have any other ideas? Like what haven't I tried or, and Kathy was just so level-headed so many times I would get all emotional about a birth and she would just be like, it's none of your business. It's not your baby. It's not your birth. It's not your body. You're just doing your job. Relax. (laughs) It was very good for me. We we, we kind of ground each other. So it was a good partnership. So what happens like as you guys begin to grow more, like did you guys build into like an agency model where you took on independent contractors or did you guys just kind of work together until one of you guys decided to stop doing birth work? Yeah, we didn't get to that point and I don't think we ever would have. I didn't like the agency situation that there were a couple of agencies and then there were a couple of partnerships locally that were maybe three or four doulas and stuff. And it just, it started to get a little bit complicated and impersonal and things like that. So we had financial goals for ourselves and our business. And so we made sure to price ourselves accordingly and market accordingly and take on a client load, you know, that would meet our goals. But I think both of us accepted the fact that we had a way that we wanted to run our business and that inherent in that meant that there was a sort of an income an upper income threshold because I didn't want to scale our business bigger than that. And then Kathy decided to become a midwife. So she went to nursing school and 
and I had my baby. So I <laughs> was like, I'm out for a minute. <laughs> and at that time, my practice really grew. So I started teaching childbirth classes more and um, which I loved. And then that um, sort of organically grew into doing more parent work. So I still work with babies and pregnant moms all the time, but I also work with like parents, both mothers and fathers who have any age child all the way to empty nest, um, teaching them about discipline and how to communicate with their kids and respond to behavior and have good relationships with their children and things like that. Did you and Kathy, um, with the financial model, did you guys do like a split and then put aside a portion that went back into the business to reinvest Mm -hmm. as well? Okay. Yeah. We saved a portion of it that we just, I mean, we didn't do a whole lot of reinvesting except for things like marketing materials or, you know, equipment for our doula bags and stuff like that. But we always had like a little percentage that we kept in the bank. And then once a month we would take our dividends out and we sort of had a good division of labor. Like I was really much better at marketing than Kathy was. And she was very good at being organized. And so she did all the accounting and bookkeeping and, and I had implicit trust with her. So I, I didn't even, she would just send me a text saying, take out this much money. (laughs) That's how much you pay yourself. And I'd be like, okay, whatever you say. (laughs) Love it. It seems like you guys like were strong where the other person maybe didn't have the strength. And Mm -hmm. so you guys balanced each other out. And that sounds like a fantastic partnership. Um, Talk a little bit about how childbirth education, like morphed into like parenting coaching. What is a parenting coach? And like, Mm -hmm. what do you provide to parents? Because some people may be interested in doing that one day and maybe doesn't even know it's a thing yet. So yeah. You're a postpartum doula out there. I'm sure that there's, there's some major overlap, especially if there's older siblings in the family you're caring for and things like that. But I mean, what really happened was my clients, you know, I had children, I have four kids and they were growing and, and things like that. And I had done a lot of my own self-education for myself as of how I wanted to respond to their behavior and what kind of discipline I wanted to use. And, you know, it's how I wanted to raise my kids. And then I would have clients, you know, a, a year later, two years later saying, oh, you know, we can't, what about potty training? Or we can't get this kid to sleep on their own. Or what do you recommend for everything from like strollers to preschool to discipline to we're going through a divorce now. And um, how should I talk to my kid about that? Or, you know, um, everything. And so, you know, I was this trusted person that had been part of this extremely sacred moment in their lives. And it, and, you know, I had come off as a knowledgeable resource to them and, and things like that. So it may make sense that I would be maybe someone they would reach out to for help. And so it just kind of started happening that way. And, and my passion started to go that way as well, because my children were growing and I was just seeing such a need for um, healing families, especially families who, which is most of us have had maybe not so great experiences in childhood. And we don't want to repeat those things with our kids. We don't really know what else to do. And, you know, it's, it's a passion for me in my own personal life, because that is my personal journey. So, um, it just, it's kind of like the stars all aligned, like the demand was there. My interest was there. My time was there because my kids were a little bit older and it just sort of flowed that way. So talk about one, if you did any certifications to become a parenting coach and then two, Mm -hmm. like, what do it, like, what does it look like to work with a parenting coach? So like, do you work with people virtually? Do they come to workshops? Like, so what does that look like? 
So um, my, I'm a love and logic independent facilitator. So that's like one of the parenting models that I use to teach about kind of compassionate consequences and setting loving boundaries and using empathy to communicate with your child and things like that. Um, and then I also went through a lot of training to just be a coach, to be uh, so that a huge part of what I do is, is essentially life coaching. It's about the emotional piece of the puzzle that leads us to maybe lose our temper with our kids or behave in ways that we know we shouldn't or ways that aren't really working with our kids that we just keep doing it. You know, it's not really enough for me to teach for anyone to be teaching these great parenting skills if we're not also helping address the stuff that's getting in the way of using those skills. So a lot of my work is emotional work. Um, and what it looks like to work with me, um, I do all of my actual coaching is virtual. My whole business is virtual. I do workshops. So if you're on my email list, for example, you'll see, you know, periodically, I'd say about three or four times a year, I do workshops that are either free or very low cost. Like I'm, I'm planning one in August right now. That's about communication with your children and it's $19. Um, and then um, you can work with me, like actually get as your coach, either in my group program, which is a lifetime program. So you pay once and you're in it forever. And um, it has that has weekly coaching calls, a Facebook group that's private and just for us to support each other. And then you also get like a curriculum. So you'll get a workbook for me with like self-paced videos and things like that about parenting skills. And there's a lot of mindset work also to help kind of deal with things like, for example, like mom guilt or um, your idea of what a good mother is and why you might be beating yourself up for not being that. And um, the emotional blocks that get in the way of being able to communicate effectively with your child and why you might be getting stuck in power struggles with them or tantrums and, you know, all those little things. Um, or you can work with me privately. So I have clients who work with me one-on-one. -on -one. I also work with couples. So that's kind of like one-on-two. <laughs> um, and they get the same curriculum, but they just get private calls with me instead of in a group. And they have unlimited access to me between calls too through a video messenger and stuff like that. Love the way that your like doula journey has like morphed into like something that like is so unexpected, but makes so much sense. Like, I don't know many doulas who are parenting coaches, although I do know a lot of doulas who give advice, support resources and tools in a postpartum period, which could definitely be considered like what you just said is parenting coaching, but I don't think anybody has packaged it or thought about it that way. So I absolutely love mm -hmm. that. And I also love that it's virtual, right? So you get to work with parents like around the world. Oh yeah. Fantastic. Like, I love that you took the boundaries off of your business. So it's no longer local and it's all online. Love, love, well, the love other that. thing is when I, for a brief while, while I was doing doula work, I moved abroad. I was living in Spain. And so I created like a oh. virtual doula program that was for, it was like a childbirth education class, but you also got sessions with me online where I would help you create your birth plan and I would be available for you on call while you were in labor. And then I had someone in Denver who actually was attending the birth and stuff like that. So I guess just throwing that out there in terms of like, there's really no limit to how you can set your business up. And it certainly is true. Like when I was doing that virtual birth work, I was interviewing with people who were also interviewing 
traditional doulas. And so I would talk about, you know, well, I'm not that, that, so you need to understand how my practice works. Here's why I think it's good and even better than some of the doulas that you might meet in person. And, and it's just a personal choice. And I wound up working with a lot of families who wouldn't have hired a doula, but they wanted the level of doula support. They wanted the prenatal care. They wanted the investment. They wanted the continuity of having a practitioner with them all along, but they didn't want anyone in the birth room with them. They wanted to do the birth themselves. And so my point is like, think about the practice you want. What would actually be nourishing and enlivening to you and how and what you believe and what you care about, about birth and about motherhood or parenthood and create that. And it doesn't matter if it didn't exist before um, at all. And certainly you, you have to really believe in it because you have to sell yourself on it before you'll be able to sell anyone else on it, but it's absolutely doable. And the other thing is to me, it was very clear when I started to grow the parenting aspect of my practice, that it was a natural offshoot of my birth work. And the principles were all the same, Mm -hmm. the surrender, the trust, the educating and arming yourself with information and then going and having to use it in the moment. Like so many of the lessons that we bring to bear at during birth are so true all throughout parenthood. And so to me, that was something that really lit me up and made me super passionate. And it, and it felt like, you know, I was helping all these families get started and with these incredible foundations of, of belief and trust and confidence and love and compassion. And then they kind of were just like out to sea and didn't really have that's not that there weren't other resources besides me out there for parenting. Of course there are, but, but that's with the same philosophy and the sort of continuation of these, these principles and lessons into parenting felt like that was something special that I could do. Yeah, I love this talk so much. So as we wrap up, let me know like any final thoughts that you think that everyone should know. And also tell everybody where they can follow you online Mm -hmm. and about the fantastic resource that you have. Yeah, so you can follow the best way to follow me online. I'm an old lady and I just hang out on Facebook. I don't know any (laughs) other new platforms. Love. Join join my Facebook group and you will get tons and tons of love for me. It's called Real Life Momming. And um, when you join Real Life Momming, you have the option to give me your email address. And if you do, then you'll also get emails from me once a week with like parenting tips and wisdom and just a little infusion of love and support and confidence. Um, Or don't give me your email address and just hang out in the Facebook group. But you're really missing out if you don't give me your email. (laughs) love that so I'll go ahead and link that in the description so you guys don't have to worry if you don't have a pen and paper ready don't worry about it just click the link in the description it'll lead you right to Anne's Facebook group and I want to thank you so much and for being a guest for giving Mm -hmm. us your time for sharing your journey and for the work that you're doing still with parents and for like blazing the trail right and championing so many things that I feel like doulas could really benefit from and learn from for sure as they grow their business and just begin to build a life that's in alignment right with the work that they want to do and the passion that they have so thank you thank you thank you so much for that and I will see you guys on the next episode thank you guys so much for listening